is the OK Outcast Podcast, your home for Oklahoma political intrigue and insight. Acting Captain's Law. I am attempting to make contact with the USS Oklahoma and Counselor Troy, who is acting captain, as I am, of the USS Masterman, she is coming through on a subspace signal. Pause log. Counselor, are you there? I'm, I'm here, Chris. Yes. Counselor, how is the colonization effect going in northern Minnesota? I feel it's coming along quite nicely. Excellent. And as for the preb web probe, how how is that working out? I feel that we are learning much about new celestial objects from the James Webb telescope. And how does this compare to the Hubble telescope? I sense that it picks up different measurements of light that are giving us new, clearer pictures than we've ever had before. Excellent. So, our deep space probe has actually recorded the uh, pictures of Jupiter we were hoping for. Um, the New Horizons project has actually worked out quite, quite successfully. So, oh, New Horizons—that's a—that's another project that's going quite well for, uh, for those of us who care about the stars. Absolutely. However, to make a transition, we learned. Last night, unfortunately, the USS democracy is under severe attack. I sense great hostilities coming from the Trump, Trumpist MAGA people. You are correct, Counselor. All right, let's break character because <laughs> for our audience, we're giving this a try. Uh, but... Yeah, it's a little early in the morning, uh, so our acting skills are probably not up to par. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Chris. How are you doing today? Hey, I can't complain. We gave the next-gen thing a run. I thought it was worth experimenting with, but... Uh, well, yeah. we can we can ask our audience on Twitter to let us know. Um, tweet at us. Let us know if you like our in-character thing, or think that's a little too much <laughs> yeah please do because i am starting to regret it but uh, <laughs> leave it in Brittany. <laughs> uh, I'll, le I'll leave it in <laughs> so um normally we lead with local politics and we'll definitely get to those but something happened last night on primetime television yeah, the January 6th committee hearings. 
um, the the last of the primetime currently scheduled hearings, although it sounds like from uh, Vice Chair Cheney that uh, we will be seeing more of these coming in September as they suggested that more information is continuing to come forward. So um, I look yeah, forward we'll to what else we September. learn. We'll be gone to September. We'll be gone to September. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I have never heard so much cussing on primetime television. Uh, so what uh, what venue did you take it in on? Um, I watched on MSNBC. Um, what about yourself? CBS gotta have that major garrett up in the mix nice and my uh, tv girlfriend nora o'donnell oh yeah <laughs> uh, but yes i, I tried were... i tried not to watch too much of the actual um talking between you know before and after the hearing so much i really just mainly watched it on msnbc because that was what came up first on my youtube tv <laughs> well i think we can both agree even as a democrat and a republican that the president did indeed instigate that shit yeah i think that last night the the what the areas they covered last night left no room for doubt that the disgraced former president um knew that his supporters were hanging on his every word he knew that when he gave the speech beforehand telling them they had to go fight and that they had to go march down to the capitol he knew exactly what that meant and what they would take that to mean. And it's very clear from the footage and from the, the rioters themselves that, you know, they were hanging on his every word. And, you know, none of them began to leave the Capitol until hours later when he finally put out the video saying, everybody go home. And... I thought it was very compelling the way they showed clips of video of the, the rioters showing each other Trump's message and saying he told us to go home, everybody, and sharing the videos on their phones. And it's very clear that they were following orders. And they would have stayed there as long as he didn't tell them to go home. And it seems he only told them to go home when it became clear that his coup attempt was not going to work. It also seems clear that he was using coded messaging from my perspective. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if we can, we can go all the way back to when Michael Cohen testified before Congress um, after flipping on the former president and he warned Congress that, you know, the president spoke in coded language, you know, similar to a mob boss, and that, you know, he would say certain things that led people to do things um, without specifically saying, you know, 
go start a coup. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, positively, chicanerous, intolerable. And I think Liz Cheney did a great job at chairing. Uh, yeah, and did you ever think you'd see in Washington, D.C., um, uh, a Democrat hand off the chairmanship to a Republican in the minority party to allow them to chair a hearing like this on, on prime time? Wait, you're talking about bipartisan... How does he say it? Bipartisanship. Bipartisanship. <laughs> there. I think that's the word. Yeah. We haven't used it in so long. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I think that that was a very wise move. And actually, yeah, Cheney chaired. Um, but I thought the questioning went well. Uh, I have some favorite members of the select committee over others, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, amazing. Like, so I'm going to put this in a different context real quick, just for funsies. Uh, I watched the late night shows last night because of course I did. And uh, Seth Meyers kind of criticized, like, uh, the bravery of these witnesses that were working for the staff and blah, blah, blah. And, but yeah, they're not brave. They volunteered to sign up for the Trump administration. And that was sort of the tone of all the late night hosts. I strongly disagree with that. I like Seth Myers. I like Stephen Colbert. But um, can't we give a little bit of credit when people have to, you know, turn on their own boss and... Yeah, I think a lot of credit is due. And in particular, you know, we've seen some of the most bravery coming from the people who, you know, almost have the most to lose in all of this. Um, you know, there's some reporting that Cassidy Hutchinson, who was the surprise witness around July 4th, um you know, since turning on Trump world, has been unable to get a job anywhere, has been getting death threats, rape threats. I mean, these are young women <laughs> putting themselves on the line. And as, you know, Liz Cheney pointed out last night, these young women are doing this knowing full well they're going to face these threats while these, you know, 50, 60, 70 year old men are too weak to come forward and tell what they know. Um, and I think that's an extreme amount of bravery. I personally have suffered, you know, death threats and rape threats when I ran for office in 2010. It's not fun. 
Um, and I can't even imagine the kind of threats they're getting, you know, doing this nationally, whereas at least I was just, you know, mainly a local candidate who only got a few blips of national attention. Um, I can't even imagine the kind of pressure they're under. I also have the question for you. Some people quit that day, and some people felt the need to stay on. If you were personally in the White House, which would you have done? I think it would have depended upon my role. Um, like, I certainly feel like... Um, you know, if you're more of a support staff role where you're not really in charge of anything anyway, you know, quitting made a lot of sense. But for somebody like Pat Cipollone as White House counsel, I think he read the situation correctly and understood that if he were to leave that role, then Trump would just pick somebody who's a yes man for that role who would not give him good advice and wouldn't be really there to to try to get a hold on anything, you know, terrible that might happen. Yeah, I think that role of White House counsel, I am, and by the way, anybody who needs a lawyer, you should get a lawyer and you should listen to them. <laughs> Don't ignore them. For sure. You're paying them for a reason. So unless you hired somebody that you found by the side of the highway, you should listen to your attorney. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, but Trump had a failure to understand that, to, to listen to the people surrounding him that were being paid, which is what the cabinet is supposed to do, is... Uh, you know, say, hey, I mean, uh, who was it? Lincoln that had a cabinet full of adversaries? Yeah, a team of rivals. Team of rivals. Because he specifically wanted not to have yes men. That's the foundation of the Republican Party, everybody. Mm -hmm. A team of rivals. You don't want yes men. And no, I think I've, I've mentioned this in a previous episode. If you hire me as a consultant, I'm not going to be a yes man. I'm going to tell you hard truths. If you do a great job at something, praise. If you mess something up, hey, you messed that up. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, uh, same same for me as an attorney. I'm not always going to tell you just what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. Um, yeah. And and it's important also to remember White House counsel isn't like the president's personal lawyer. They literally represent the interests of the office of president, and it's you know limitations from the Constitution, as well as the powers it's granted. And so I, I think Pat Cipollone correctly made the call that it was important to stay on 
and continue to represent the office of president um, against somebody who clearly didn't care about any of those boundaries. Well, luckily, no corruption is happening here in Oklahoma. Hey, before before we roll on to Oklahoma real quick, sure. I, I do want to say one other thing about the hearings and Absolutely. I'm I'm seeing a lot of frustration out there that these hearings have uncovered this mountain of evidence against the former president and wondering why the hell he hasn't been indicted yet. And I'd like to remind everybody of something I said before we got into these hearings, and that's that this committee doesn't have criminal jurisdiction over this matter. And what they're doing is separate from the Department of Justice. And regardless of whatever the DOJ does, and I'm firmly in the camp that they need to indict uh, the former president, but regardless of that, these hearings are important because this committee is getting us, the people, the truth, and they're getting it to us in digestible ways, and they're getting us the full narrative of exactly what led up to that attempted coup and giving us the knowledge we need so that we, the people, can choose not to ever elect any of these people ever again. So I, I know you might, might all be frustrated that, that the DOJ isn't taking action, and I am too, but I think don't let that frustration you know, spill over to the committee who's doing the best they can in their role. Brittany, your Minnesota accent is spilling over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's true. Um, they can subpoena people. They can uh, read things in. And I've suspected all along that what they're do is essentially uh, doing is essentially uh, a uh, public deposition, and it's important to realize that in order to build a case against a former president, I mean, I've been trying to consider the logistics of the whole thing um does he get secret service detail in prison uh i don't know it's kind of unclear from what i've read on the law there um secret service there's a whole nother issue we're gonna have to get into another day <laughs> that, that, that's Good, true goodness um, um so they were definitely not acting in good faith um uh, or certain ones of them some of them were some of them were terrified but it was clear that uh i don't know nixon was a little tiny child compared to the chicken nugget swallowing Trump 
and yeah, I, I I have absolutely no patience. I have a late friend. Uh, his name is Pat, or was Pat, and when the Trump administration began, I said, this is going to be worse than uh, the Nixon administration. He said, no way. But before <laughs> he passed, he said, yeah, it's so much worse. I have... Yeah, and, and I think part of what makes it worse is that... Um... You know, at least in Nixon's day, you had still a very strong and independent Republican caucus in Congress and the Senate that did not just bow to him as some kind of cult leader. Um, whereas, you know, now we just have so many sycophants that saw him be successful um, by being crude and authoritarian, and so they just fully bought in. And, you know, outside of the, you know, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, there's not a lot of others who have been willing to put their oath above their party. Liz Cheney is throwing herself on the wire she looks like she's going to lose by about 20 points and she doesn't care she's doing it because she's doing her job and sometimes doing your job if you're an elected official means betraying uh not your constituents, you're serving them, but it means standing up for what's right. And, you know, she could have done something different and just kept her seat, no problem. She's probably gonna lose it. But, you know what? Uh, She's a hero in my book because we needed a Republican that said, no, I'm going to stand up for my values. Those values being democracy. Yeah, I disagree with her on almost every political issue of the day. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I respect the hell out of her for putting her oath to the Constitution first and understanding that, you know, that winning on those issues is nothing if it's being done in this backhanded, illegal, unconstitutional way. Yeah, it's... It's sad. We used to have that bipartisanship we spoke of earlier and that seems to be really dissolving. And yes, I am with you. I disagree with Senator Cheney on a lot of things she has pushed forward. But 
it at the same time uh we have done so many things as a nation working together eisenhower was a republican he built the roads nixon a republican who ensured a peaceful transition of power and well, set up the epa and set up the epa now if we only had a democrat representative that uh gracefully took uh, a loss uh which is al gore <laughs> yeah um he strongly disagreed with the supreme court but he went to the inauguration not only that he, he presided over the same electoral count that went on on january 6th as vice president did not attempt a coup did not try to throw out any votes uh in fact he even um closed down debate of uh some of the democratic house members that tried to come and come to the chamber to to register protests of him certifying the election and he shut that down and said no you know you don't have a senator to to back you up here so we can't hear from you today and he presided over the count that made him not president that must have stung but he he understood that quote the election is over something that we saw last night the disgraced former president refused to say even on january 7th yeah i thought the outtakes were friggin hilarious uh in a terrifying way um well on that note, we should probably move on to Oklahoma real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we're probably running out we of are starting to, to run low on time here. <laughs> okay, so um, Governor Stitt, uh, up to his shenanigans again. This time, Charter School Edition, Digital Wallet, well, Digital Wallet got paid by Classroom Wallet. Um, Brittany, do you want to expand on this? Yeah, so the federal audit came back earlier this week that dealt with some of the Class Wallet stuff you talked about on our last episode. And, um, you know, basically you know from from my understanding is they found that uh millions of taxpayer dollars were misappropriated and misspent um from the uh from the uh cares act money that was meant to support students and instead um went to some no bid contracts to these groups that had for whatever reason, the oversight clauses were waived. <laughs> and between Governor Stitt and Secretary Walters, um, millions of dollars went to be used for frivolous expenses that had nothing to do with education. 
and uh, you know, it really seems like uh, this is this administration is just has been one giant slush fund for their buddies. <laughs> I think they tried to get away with it by pushing 3.9 million uh, back to the feds. Um, but the feds were still like, no, we're going to need another 650,000. Uh, so yeah, I guess you could argue that you're ensuring the safety of students by buying sofas and ice machines because then you can relax so you won't breathe so hard yeah uh, um sure and the art you the know arcade I'm... machines are, are, are going to help you relax because if you're able to play pac-man um I mean, you you relax with video games. I relax with video games. Yeah, on my personal dime, in my personal time. <laughs> so, wait. You don't use federal money funneled through a contractor to buy your video games? Yeah, I, I don't do that. <laughs> I, I, I've tended not to either. It's um, it's kind of ill-advised. <laughs> well, in that my wife is on an away mission, I'll feel free to admit that, uh, you know, I have used uh, my own money to buy a tablet, which is now almost 10 years old. And, uh, yeah, I like to play video games. I like to play Super Mario Brothers. Um, yeah, video games are fun. I, I play NBA 2K, and I play Forza, a racing game on Xbox. It's a good way to unwind. Um, just not something that uh, should be uh, coming from public funds. <laughs> Yeah, I, I tend not to charge my clients for my emulator system so I can play Yoshi's Island and Zelda. And, uh, you know, on the subject of Secretary Ryan Walters, also Superintendent Candidate Ryan Walters, he's yeah. also holding up early childhood education money for programs throughout Oklahoma that need funding to be able to um, provide the early childhood education services that are required by law. And he has decided to hold up $12 million of that money in violation of the law because of some claim that it has to do with Tulsa Public Schools being audited, even though $0 of this money would even go to Tulsa Public Schools. Um... There's just just shenanigans all the time. Um, and shenanigans. He's, he's literally using his office as Secretary of Education to play politics for his superintendent run. I really hope the voters of Oklahoma can see through what he's doing and not reward him this fall. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing is, I'm not opposed to charter schools. They have a, a place within the ecosystem of education. However, they are not the be all and end all. And with Mr. Walters, he would have charter schools simply be all of it. And I disagree yeah, he's with that. he he and his and the Stid administration clearly want to just defund public schools altogether and put it all towards private schools. And that's just not a real answer. And it's why they had difficulty implementing that agenda, even with a Republican supermajority in the legislature. Because a lot of rural folks realize this doesn't benefit them or their districts. Yeah. I mean, I went to a public school in middle school and high school, class in school of advanced studies, what, what? And um, our main rival, OSSM, had dormitories, so students lived on campus. Hey, and, uh, we're, we're gonna need to wrap soon. Um, we're about to, right. we're about to run out of time here. I've got to get to work. Okay. Um, sorry to cut you off. It's no problem. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Chris. Thanks, everybody, for listening again. And um, there's so many scandals to, to handle that we will be covering more of them in the weeks to come. Absolutely. We've got to. All right. Adios, everyone. Adios. Adios.